It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and I've got a very, very special guest joining me today. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simiou. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to be joined today by Guna fanzine columnist and friend, Alan Alga, massive Arsenal supporter. Welcome to the show, mate. First of all, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Harry. Great to be with you. Good. Glad to have you, mate. And uh, apologies to everyone in the live chat. We are a few minutes late, but that was due to some technical issues. Um, I can see some of you already taking the mick out of me saying uh, maybe I'm thinking about what the process actually is before I come on live uh, to talk to you guys about it. But um reason I've got Alan here today is because I wanted to get a bit of an alternative opinion on, on where Arsenal stand at the moment, how things are currently going. Saturday's performance kind of felt like a pre-Christmas Arsenal performance and it felt like we'd slumped back into that sort of terrible place we were, you know, not so long ago. Alan, what did you make of it? What did you make of the performance and, and what do you make of where Arsenal find themselves overall at the moment? Well, look, um, I, I think when you look at a fixture against Liverpool or City or any of the two teams that have been dominating over the last few years in, in the Premier League, you think to yourself, well, if we're going to get a heavy beating, it's probably going to be against those kind of teams. So I'm prepared to give the team a bit of a pass. And as long as the other games around that, are, we're achieving what we want to achieve or it looks OK, then we can work on those later. Because, it, you know, where we are in the table at the moment suggests that we aren't going to go in and look to compete with these teams at the moment. It's where we need to go to, but you almost forgive it. I think even the most sort of harsh fans or unreasonable fans will forgive um, a heavy beating against those big teams if it's part of a step towards progress. But also there's a lot of context to add to that. And this isn't a Liverpool team that swept to the title. It's a shadow of that team, an absolute shadow of that team. And when you look at the absentees that they have and the attacking riches that we have or supposedly have lining up against them, to register uh, a tenth of a goal on, on XG. And, you know, I, I know some people say, well, I don't really understand about XG and all that. Well, you can watch that game and be told it was a tenth of a goal and you won't disagree with it, even if you hate <laughs> XG. So let's, you know, let's let's make it very clear. It was an awful performance, an awful performance. There's, there was no redeeming feature. And, and, and as you said in the intro, I write a column for for the for the online Gooner. And, and what it what it what it tries to be is is at least 24 hours after the final whistle blows and all the, the very quick reactions 
come out it's it's supposed to be and i like to try and achieve it it's a balanced view of of, of uh, a mixture of all the views that gunas are having after that time and i try and give a bit of balance even if i sort of maybe feel in my own head that i may be being too kind i couldn't be kind there was nothing to be kind about other than the injuries but then it was a liverpool team that had a load of injuries too the the six players in front of that makeshift defense went for a collective quarter of a billion pounds in their last transfers so arteta wasn't working with scraps to try and unlock a makeshift liverpool defense so something somewhere is going wrong. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think the overall, I, I'm, I'm still back in Mikel Arteta because I think, and, and it's not to say that I'm right and everybody else is wrong. You know, it's a game of opinions. But for me, I, I thought that this was a massive job when he took it in terms of what needed to happen, what needed to improve. The fact that we were, needed to get so many players out and then the fact that we needed to replace them, but we didn't have the money necessarily to do it in one summer or in two windows or whatever. It always seemed to me like a longer term job. And I think after Christmas, we saw him settle on a system, a system that seemed to be getting a greater balance out of the team. We were more of a threat going forward, but we maintained most of that defensive stability that he'd been working on prior to that with a different formation. What's upset me a little bit off the back of Saturday is, yes, the performance was bad. It was shocking. It was poor. There's no good things to say about it. But I think there's been a major, major overreaction when you consider that we were beaten by a team who finished 43 points ahead of us last season. Now, 43 points, if you'd given us that points difference between us and Liverpool as our points total this season, we'd have survived the drop. That's how much of a difference it is. And and I agree with you that you can forgive those kind of games. I think it's the nature of Saturday, though, isn't it? That's really upset people rather than the actual result itself. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Look, if, if you looked at their team on paper, you were still saying to yourself, well, look, that front, that front three, they're laying claims to be the best front three in the division. And I'm not really going to argue with that. So if you've got a defence that's makeshift your your defensive central midfielder that people you know a jury in or jury out but jacker does make tackles in front of our uh, in front of our defense whether you like it or not and he takes some of the responsibility for recycling the ball out of defense away from them sometimes he doesn't do it well and they're the the, the you know the highlights or his of his horror shows where where he doesn't do that well but he does take some of that re- responsibility off them so for him not to be there he's always one thing he does do he doesn't hide so therefore he's always asking for the ball from those four players that are behind him on the pitch and one thing you notice with Gabriel every time he got the ball off Leno he was trying to look for a left-hand channel when usually we try and just go through the middle first and then get someone to turn and then go out wide he was trying to go wide first and I don't know if you I mean obviously it led was it the third or second goal that Liverpool scored where Gabriel just uh, passes the ball to a Liverpool player but he had done that two or three times yeah prior to that so look all of those absences are are they're definitely reasonable excuses but they're only reasonable excuses to the point of maybe losing 2-1 or narrowly losing the game one or losing 3-2 or having loads of shots and having really, you know, a decent decent creative play, but Liverpool's ruthless 
fearlessness in attack and experience in attack means that they score goals and it's in like that. But the manner of this defeat didn't tick any of those boxes where you're allowed to give a bit of leeway, in my view. Yeah, and I think you make a great point. I mean, just talking overall, obviously Arsenal have lost 12 games in the Premier League this season. That's two more than we lost over the entirety of last season when we finished in eighth. So that puts into context how poorly we've performed in the Premier League this season. What's your cutoff for Mikel Arteta? Because as I say, I back Mikel Arteta. I think he will come good eventually. I, the jury's out as to whether, uh, you know, w- we can afford to give him the time that he needs to get to that point. But I mean, I look at this season and I, I've been saying it throughout the campaigns. So I'm not going to be a flip-flop and I'm not going to change it now. I think that he will be judged from the very first whistle of next season. And then if we don't see the improvement, then I think we need to consider making a change. But in your opinion, what is the cutoff for Mikel Arteta? Has he already passed it? Where would be the point where you're kind of sitting there going, actually, I don't think this is working anymore and it's time to time to chop him? Well, look, as, as I was trying to find that balance for, for my article about the Liverpool game, I, I looked at our squad and I, look, I looked at it again. I looked at it on one of those transfer valuations and you know where they're judging what you would reasonably expect a player to go for if, if it wasn't a COVID market out there and I agree that some of the stuff that he'd been lumbered with probably wasn't ideal but then he's working with quite expensive players and you know you even look at someone like Sam Allardyce he's been very quick to just keep throwing in excuses about how Brom's squad wasn't anything like the kind of squads that he came into and did his, you know, rescue jobs on before. So we sort of laid the foundations. But he's still making them the best that they can be for the for the, the sum of their parts. Is Mikel Arteta doing that? Sometimes he is. Sometimes you can say he is. In, in one half, it looks like he is. And in the other half, it isn't. So... There's a real disconnect between trying to make that judgment because even in one game, you can think both things. And I think you've, you know, quite fairly said you're not, you're not, you're not sort of raging and saying, you know, he's he's definitely the right man. He's definitely the right man. Even when I make arguments to the contrary, I'm not wildly claiming that he isn't going to turn good, but. One thing that you can judge is how much is this squad worth? Are they players that should be top seven in that league? And top seven's not a big benchmark, really, is it? I mean, look, you're throwing in at least one of the the the, the smaller clubs in there, say that they're Shabbos. And you have to say that he should be getting at least seventh with this team. Eighth is a push anywhere lower than eighth is a failing on his part it has to be uh, it really has to be and I, I i still feel though that your point is correct this season is a weird season it's a very very tough club to turn around emery experienced it and i don't think enough has been made of the mess that the club is in and how long it's going to take to turn around. I am quite prepared 
on a personal front because of what I see from Arteta when he speaks rather than what the team does, that he should be given a clean slate at the start of next season, but with no real leeway anymore if it starts to go wrong from that point. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like you mentioned the season's been a strange one and it has, and there's been so many other factors that have played into where we find ourselves at the moment. And I think, you know, having certain players at the club who clearly didn't want to be there or or Mikel Arteta didn't want them to be there at the very start of the season wasn't helpful. There was the whole side issue of, you know, Ozil not in the squad, this player not in the squad, that player not in the squad, and then trying to move them on and trying to manage the impact that that had on the squad. And and a lot of people will say that I'm making excuses for him. And, and, you know, if people feel that way, that's absolutely fine. I just... For me, I think this was a really, really difficult job. And I think it's been a lot more difficult than he expected when he took it. We've got to remember that he is an inexperienced manager. And that's not to say that we should just put up with mistakes because he's an inexperienced manager. But the club are not going to sack him tomorrow. Because if they were going to do that, they wouldn't have appointed someone with no experience in the first place. They're going to give him that time. Is it Europa League or bust for you, though? Or, 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 or is it next season clean slate? Let's see how it goes then. Um, I think, you know, the hierarchy at the club might be saying behind the scenes that bare minimum is European football. Now, whether they're factoring in the new uh, UEFA Conference League into that and saying that that is okay, I'm not so sure. Um, They might be saying to him that it's a fair assessment that this squad should be achieving Europa League football, whichever way you can achieve it. And if you haven't, then I'm afraid it's it, it's time to, to go. But I think you make a number of valid points about whether or not he has excuses. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go a bit further than you and say, I think just on balance of matches in the last calendar year, He's been one of the unluckiest Arsenal managers I think I've ever seen. You look at decisions, certain injuries at certain times, other factors that have come into play. I, I genuinely think if if he is to go at the end of this season and they do make that assessment because he hasn't achieved bare minimum Europa League football, he can walk out of the door and say, I've been unlucky there. And he can point to a number of very, very small sliding doors moments that might have made it different. It doesn't make it right when you do something like Saturday, but you can definitely have that have that feeling. And I I I sent two tweets after the game. And the weirdest thing is they brought wrath from both sides of an argument <laughs> that I'm not really even trying to be on. First off I just tweeted, as I have been doing, the points totals from our last three permanent managers at each stage in the number of Premier League games that they've had. And I've been doing it from the off with with Arteta, comparing him to Emery, because I thought it was a valid comparison. Some have said it's not, but I do think it's all relative, and I think it is a valid comparison. And he's been way behind. He's constantly been way behind. A few people have said, well, that's because Emery took an Arsene Wenger team and Better took um, an Emery team. And therefore, you know, the residual effects from that will be clear for all to see. But even if you take out Emery's 
what was it, 22-game run, unbeaten run. 14 of those were in the Premier League. Even if you take those out, he's still ahead. You take the equivalent games out, he's still ahead of him. And people said to me, well, look, you know, Arteta's at least coming now. Emery was terrible at the end. No, take the last 15 games. Emery's still ahead. There's not any metric where you compare him with Emery where you're actually getting Arteta in front. So then you've got to trust your eyes and say, well, he's been a bit unlucky there and at least we're outplaying teams, been unlucky with results. And that was valid up to a point. But again, Saturday slightly ruins that. The first half against the first half against West Ham ruins that. Um, so so we got a lot of stick there from people that wanted to, to defend Arteta and kick Emery. But then I also tweeted that Emery and Arteta have been given a monumental task by the near decade of mismanagement from primarily Wenger, but certainly Gazidis, Kroenke's ownership and a few others behind the scenes. And I have this feeling that there are a lot of recent Arsenal fans or very blinkered Arsenal fans that will not acknowledge that this all, all stemmed from Wenger out in his welcome. And therefore, and I always use this analogy, if you push a car, if you push a car downhill with a handbrake off and no one in it, um, the people that have to try and stop it as it goes a mile down the road have got a much harder task than the person who pushed it off. But it was the person who pushed it off that was the one that did it. And, and, and that's how I see the club in the last 10 years. Arsene Wenger pushed it off a cliff and uh, pushed it down a hill and people have had to jump in the way of it to try and turn it around. And that isn't an easy job at all. And we've seen that. And yes, maybe Emery and Arteta should have done more. There is no way Arsene Wenger, even three years down the line, can escape some blame here. Because all the little decisions and all the control that he had have meant that there are legacy extend possibly to about five years, let alone three years, possibly to about five. You sign Carl Jenkinson on 30k a week, a player that can't even get into a championship team, where you're robbing that wage of someone else that might have come through. Or been able to sign someone on on a free transfer somewhere you uh you make a mess of the Ozil and Sanchez contracts and and don't realize which one you need to get rid of at which time and and who's a bad influence on the squad now he might not have been the full part of that putting those contracts on the table but he liked to say that he was in massive control behind the scenes you can't have it both ways if you're a Wenger fan either he's in massive control and he builds the training ground and everything else or he's not so there are huge legacy issues football club started by Arsene Wenger and people around him. So he's not fully to blame, but there's some blame there. And it will take a long, 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 long time to turn that around. Do you think that had we, and obviously this is hypothetically speaking, right? We can never be 100% sure. But do you think that had Arsene Wenger remained in charge up until now, that things would have gotten to this point. And to this point, I mean, Arsenal being mid-table, um, not particularly playing an attractive brand of football anymore, not particularly... I mean, I used to go to the Emirates under Wenger, right? And and I, I completely appreciate what you're saying, that towards the end, things weren't great. 
But I still used to go to the Emirates knowing I would I would probably be entertained and I would come away having seen a, a decent game of football. Under Emery, I lost that. I didn't see that. Would we be in 10th position now in the Premier League and scraping to get back into Europe next season had things continued the way they were under Arsene Wenger? Would it have gotten this low, in your opinion? No, I don't think it would. And that might sound like I'm completely contradicting what I've just said. But there's there's, there's a big thing at play here. And Twitter's probably not the best place because people have to be one side or the other 100% in a lot of situations. And when I tweeted that about Arsene Wenger, I could have easily followed it up by saying, if he'd stayed, I don't think we was low now. But he still had to. And the longer he stayed, the more those legacy issues and what I call, and I, I try to explain this, a no consequence culture that he had at the club. Oh, look, you know, fourth is fine. I'd agree with him to a point, but you don't send that message to your players. If Arsenal came third in the Wenger seasons because Chelsea has spent billions, Man City has spent billions, and we've done our bit, they walk off that pitch in that final game and say, you can't compete with that. You've done the best you can do. You can't compete with that. And sometimes he did manage to do that. But towards the end, there was no way that that was coming through. And and he, he again, the best judgment you can make is, is that person getting the best out of the resources from this club? And I think sometimes he wasn't. And towards the end, it was very clear he wasn't. And that seeped through to the players. And the mistakes that you see now and the ones that Gary Neville talks about and that sort of soft Arsenal underbelly and the mistakes that are always round the corner, they they started with him. Um, it's Emery's job to stop that. He didn't. It's Arteta's job to now stop that. And he, he hasn't done it fully. So, look, these guys are still to blame, but it all started with, with Wenger. And, yeah, perversely, I still feel that we'd be about fifth or sixth if he'd stayed. It's still not good enough, but um, the longer he stayed, the more this takes turning around. And maybe they're not the guys to do it. Yeah, yeah good, good points. And, and you're right. You know, I think that our, our overall level would be higher right now had we stayed with Wenger. But then you're, you're right. When you go further down the line and you do eventually move on because you have to move on from everybody at some point, then the damage may have run deeper. I completely agree with that. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to leave it there. Um, been a good discussion um, on where Arsenal are at at the moment. Uh, big hello to everybody in the live chat joining us right now and to those of you who will either watch or listen to this back. Um, I, I know a lot of you disagree with me in the chat and, and that's that's become a common thing uh, throughout Mikel Arteta's reign. But I mean, I, I guess the final thing I'll say is we should never be, as a football club, as big as Arsenal, we should never be accepting of bad performances. We should never be accepting of underachievement but I think we need to adjust our expectations and that's not that's not accepting it that is just adjusting it to be a little bit more realistic because there are still some Arsenal fans out there who in their heads think we're talking about the invincibles not only has so much changed at the football club but so much has changed in the Premier League in general so much has changed in football you know Alan mentioned 
City and Chelsea's billions. Manchester United can outspend us. Liverpool um, are, are a massive football club as well. And, and they've sort of been awoken again by Jurgen Klopp. Tottenham have closed the gap on us. Even Leicester City uh, and West Ham are, are pushing up there now as well. So the competition is a lot more difficult. It's a, It's very different. And that's why I don't think those comparisons are always completely uh, fair when people say, you know, well, in 2010, we did this, but in 2021, we're doing this. So I think we need to temper those expectations a little bit. Alan, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're really busy, so I appreciate it. How can people follow you on social media and keep up with all the great work that you do? <laughs> Cheers, Harry. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, really enjoyed the chat. Uh, I am on Twitter. It's uh, someone got there first for the Alan Alger hash. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I am at Alan underscore Alger underscore. But you can find me there. There you go. I'll put his uh, link in the description for you guys as well. And just one quick message uh, before we jump off. Uh, Alan is a contributor, as am I, uh, but we need help over at the Guna Fanzine. Now, the Guna Fanzine obviously is online, but it's also uh, a printed publication as well. And due to the fact that we've not been able to attend football matches and fans haven't been buying it from outside of the stadium, um, it's going through a little bit of a difficult time. This is a a publication that means the world to me. I used to buy it as a kid walking up to the Emirates Stadium. I'm proud to say I now contribute to it as well. Um, so please, uh, if it is something that you're interested in, if it is something that you think you'll read, head over to the Guna Fanzine's website, uh, which is onlineguna.com and sign up to the subscription. Uh, that You'll get the uh, magazine posted to your door every time there's a new edition, but just by signing up to that direct debit, rather than buying it each time individually, A, you save some money, and B, you'll be saving the Guna Fanzine. Harry, so, can, yeah. I, can I just yeah. say that Go ahead. Can I just say that um, I, I'm contributing to the to the offline Guna as well, and I'm not saying my pieces because I I get I'm a subscriber. The quality of writing in that case for what you spend for it all, obviously being about Arsenal or experience, it is phenomenal. I'm not talking about my course. You can make your own judgment on those. But seriously, seriously, when you get that in your hands and you see the quality within it and the cars and everything else, you think this is definitely well spent. So please try that. It, it absolutely is indeed. It's, it's, it's a brilliant thing. And, and as I say, it's been around for years. It's, it's at the real heart of the Arsenal community and I'll be devastated if it wasn't able to continue. So uh, please do consider uh, signing up for a subscription. Right. Thank you all for your continued support. We'll be back a little bit later on with another live stream. But until then, take care of yourselves and uh, stay safe. All the best. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.